These are the Stanley Cup champions cheering for us. Obi could beat the fuck out of Wayne Gretzky. Could you break Wayne Gretzky's leg? Because he's 24! The smoke blinds from straight 40s before I go out for warmies. We got like half dressed and then last four, and we we're just going nuts. We're in the locker room by then. We we're just going absolutely bananas. What it do, DMV, episode 72 of Chirpin' DMV, and this is our last Caps episode of the year. It's officially the offseason for us after last week's first-round exit to the hands of Barry Trotz and the New York Islanders in five games. So they're done. We're done. That's why we haven't gotten an episode out right away because you had the post-game show to watch. You had the post-game show to listen to. And we've got Tark Elbashir coming up. We got over an hour with him, per usual, an awesome interview breaks down a lot of stuff for us talks about a lot of stuff but before getting all that let's say what's up to the boys ab let's start with you what's happening man how's florida treating you uh it's pretty good man i mean it's super it's it's sunny for about a majority of the day and then it'll, there's a there's probably a thunderstorm every single day for about 20 minutes and then it goes back to just being sunny but um i don't know this past weekend we me and johnny uh we, we found this little spot, like, right on the water. Um, it's called the Getaway. It was this cool little spot. Um, and it's, like, 0.2 miles away from our house. So we can literally just walk there whenever we want and stuff. Kind of like the new tunes, basically. So it's like a little tiki bar. Oh, yeah. So we did that nice. Friday night and then pretty much had, like, sat there, like, all day Saturday. Had, like, brunch there and just were there till like, 4 o'clock. I thought hurricane season was over. Nope, nope, it's just beginning, buddy. <laughs> JP, what's up with you, man? Uh, same old stuff, man. Went crabbing over the weekend, played some golf, uh, living the vacation life now that the caps are, uh, I guess, summer mode, even though summer's yeah. over. Yes, it's <clears throat> summer mode for us, summer mode for the caps. But, hey, it's, what, the end of August, and we're looking like we're going to have hockey right at the beginning of the December. So we're not going to get any cap stuff here because, like we said, we cover everything you need to know with this Tark interview coming up, guys. I, like you said, AB, I, we could talk to Tark for like five hours. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, we I, I, we asked him, like, not the hard-hitting questions, but, like, we pretty much everything we complained about, I mean, we, we brought it up. He, he'd give us a straight-up answer, and, and then he just kind of rolled with it. I mean, he just he's a very well-spoken guy. He's, he's pretty much he's, – he's one of our boys at this point. I mean, he comes on all the time. Uh, I'll just yeah. – Low-key love to have him as, like, just on, like, every time. Just us four shooting the shit every single episode. That'd be so tight. Dude, a hot, I really loved the hot take that I got from that episode. Um, Which one? I don't know if you want to share it now, but okay. Uh, the the Bruce, bringing Bruce back, bringing mm-hmm. him back to help mm-hmm. break Ovi, uh, Ovi getting mm-hmm. the goals record. Yeah, our boy Stack. I, I could Blake. jump on that train. Our, our, I was going to say, our, our boy Stack, Stack Eye Blake would not love that. Cause I've seen him all over Twitter, like, no, no, no. And I've kind of agreed with him a little bit, but I mean, talking to him, I was just like, it would be fun, but it would go as exactly how it went last as, time. As- exactly. Yeah. So well, he, I mean, like Tark gets into, he, he's coached from different places. Now he's got some, some knowledge from coaching different guys, different teams. He's been in the playoffs with those teams. So, but never was really successful. Yeah, I will, yeah I that that doesn't jump to the the number one coaching prospect, mm-hmm. but no, I will say this. Um, I know we said we wouldn't talk ca- uh, a lot of caps right now, but um, when I brought up 
I, I bring up the Kovalchuk issue in, in, during the interview. I said, why not give him a chance at that second and third line? And his answer was kind of, he did. Uh, Todd did give him a chance, and I kind of disagree with that. What about you guys? No, yeah, I, I do disagree. I mean, like he, even the big he, chances he got, we talked about, he never stuck with them long enough. Like, he didn't give them that, the top six for, like, a full game full ever. Minutes, a full 20 minutes to do it. Right. Yeah. But like you said, too, like, whenever we did see him with somebody else, you didn't see a damn thing at all. Right. Granted, it was a handful of shifts every now and then. But, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff we talked about. We talked about coaching. We talked about Todd. We talked about – the adjustments are like thereof from Todd. We talked about Kovalchuk, as you said. We talked about potential trades in the offseason. You know what yeah. I mean? The Caps making a big move to bring in a potentially big-named veteran defenseman because that's what mm. we need to change up is this defense. So that's, it's, it's a jam-packed interview. It's a lot of good stuff. It always is when he's on. But let's do this because we're going to want to keep getting you guys some episodes. So let's take a look at the series going on right now. We'll start in the East. We'll make our quick predictions, and then we'll also each pick a bandwagon team to go with. So let's start in the East. Like I said, the Islanders up one to nothing on the Flyers. Handled them in that first game. I mean, granted, the score is 4 nothing, but Philly pulled the goalie with like 12 minutes left in the third. I mean, exag- I'm exaggerating, but it was like seven minutes left in the third. But you guys got this Islanders really serious. Uh, Kyle, you want to go first or you want me to? Uh, I'll go first. I'm going to take the Islanders. I think they're rolling right now. They're playing good team hockey, and I think that's huge in the playoffs, playing team hockey 100%, and uh, I'm going to go with the Islanders. So I went back and forth before the series started. I'm going to give you my prediction before the series started. Um, I thought the Islanders – I mean, obviously the Islanders looked very, very good. Uh, As Caps fans, we naturally – I don't want to say discredited the Islanders more than just bash our own team and look and said how bad we were and didn't give the Islanders the credit that they are deserved about how they shut us down. And um, they, they just clogged up the neutral zone. They made, they, they, they play in your face. They're suffocating as people, everyone, as everyone says, and everyone kind of says how much of a chess match it is to play against Barry Trotz. And I kind of just – I kind of realized this last game against the Flyers with the Islanders. It's not a fucking chess match, dude. It's it's Barry Trotz telling his guys to play as hard as you fucking can, play harder than the guy that you are lining up against, get the puck deep, fucking forecheck hard, move your fucking feet. I mean, this is all shit that we hear peewees and bantams, right? Like, this is not it's, – it's nothing that special. They just forecheck a little harder, and they just – they just kind of win. They win the puck battles. They just out-battle you, right? That, to me, doesn't sound like a chess match. just sounds like he gets his guys to work harder. Mm-hmm. So, when it does turn into a chess match is the trap game, right? Like, when he's up 2 nothing, he turns on the trap game, and you just can't get to the neutrals, I'm sure. But, again, to me, that's not much of a, tra- a chess match. It's just, it's just him getting his guys to work harder. That being said, uh, the Islanders, I thought, absolutely dominated the Flyers in game one. Before that game started, I said that game, everyone was high on the Flyers, even though they didn't look great against the Canadians. They looked very Myself good. including, yeah. Yeah, everyone looked good in the round – or the Flyers looked very good in the round robin. They also played against three teams that looked very bad. Mm-hmm. Literally all three teams looked very, very well, bad. Well, and if you really want to dissect it, their top guys aren't doing shit on that team. Yeah. And that's what I was going to get into. It's all, it's all the young guys. Their top guys – 
have not been doing shit. They still got through the Canadians, who played pretty well, who showed – But the, the Canadians. Time. But they're the Canadians. They, they did show the world that they're, they weren't – they're not just a joke of a team. Like, they – everyone thought that Pittsburgh would beat them 3-0. That didn't happen, obviously. Uh, I Before the series started, I had Flyers in seven. I, I thought I thought that Katuria would score some goals. I thought Kevin Hayes would show up. I thought mm-hmm. I thought Borchek would at least show up. I thought G would be a good leader. I don't know. I, like he didn't have the greatest regular season. I thought Flyers have very good defense. I thought Carter Hart is the better goalie. That's what I thought all through and through. Carter Hart's playing well though. Let's give it gotta yeah. give it to him. hundred um, percent. I, I just thought they outmatched him on paper and basically every single prediction that I've made throughout these playoffs have been based on paper. And that's, I'm, we're starting to learn that you probably shouldn't do that anymore in hockey. It doesn't matter what your roster looks like. I had flyers in seven before the series started. After that last game, the Islanders look like the best team in the playoffs. They do. They're up there. They're they up look, there. Vegas, I wasn't, I'm not going to say they're looking. Okay. I was going to say they're not, I don't know if they would beat Vegas. Cause that's a really good fucking team, but Vegas and the or Dallas. Two best teams in our, in in the NHL right now to me. Um, Dallas is a little inconsistent. It looks like they did finally they did catch it though. So yes, mm-hmm. you're right. Dallas is getting there too. Mm-hmm. So now, obviously, after it's I mean it's way easier to make a prediction now because the Islanders are already up one nothing. Mm-hmm. I would like right now it looks like Islanders in six almost. Before yeah, the- I'd agree with that. Yeah, I'll go with the Islanders as well. I flip-flopped as soon as Flyers fans started bitching on Twitter about how dirty the Canadians were and how physical they were being with him. I was like, you're Philly fans. And Matt Niskanen should have gotten a couple games. Don't give me this one-game BS. He came down on the chin, broke his jaw. So don't complain about how dirty Shea Weber is and how dirty Gallagher is and this, that. You're Philly fans. You're scumbags. Leave it at that. So let's get to the next one. Boston, Tampa. Boston wins game one. They're up on the nothing. It's, I think it's, what, 2-2 right now as we're watching. I don't know. It's tough to say. I think Tampa eventually comes out of this one just because I think the goalie situation for Boston, Halak is good but not great, and I think Tampa is finding their groove a little bit. And we'll come away with this series probably in seven games because it's what Boston does. They take everybody to seven. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you want this for me? I'll take it. I got Boston in six. Okay. I think okay. Uh, Boston's playing well. I mean, that – the whole goalie situation, I think, fired him up a little bit. I think ever since that happened and Tuca left, they turned into a different team, kind of like we wanted the Caps to be a whole new team. And that's what Boston does. Like you said, they grind teams out and they play good playoff hockey. So I think they're on top of their game right now. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that analysis. I mean, he, Boston, the, the other thing that I think Boston does have over the Tampa Bay right now uh, is that their superstars are playing well. Kucherov is not. I, I, Kucherov has been very, very quiet in these playoffs. Braden Point has looked like a fucking stud. Yeah, he's looked good. Uh, really good. But like I said, Kucherov has not looked very good at all. Um, before the series started, I had Tampa in seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought out of the two series, I mean, Carolina. I mean, we know how good Carolina can be, but Boston – seemed to have – I don't want to say manhandled them because every game was pretty close, but they just figured out a way in the end in, the, in those last five minutes of games to, to just outwork them, outbeat them. Um, I don't think Carolina got the goaltending that they needed, like fucking what they got against us, uh, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, and, and Boston ends up winning in five. I thought 
I mean, Tampa Bay also one in five, but I thought the series, I thought that series was a lot tougher, obviously, than what Boston had to go through. So I thought they were a little more battle tested. And I thought that they would really rally behind that five overtime win and be like, all right, this, like that can change. I know it's the first game of the playoffs, but that can change the momentum of an entire team. That can get the locker room going like, boys, we can win the fucking cup this year. And I'm sure they're saying that every year, but that can really just change everything, click and make make a locker room click. So I, I, have, I, st- I still have Tampa in seven here just because I think they've seen adversity before this year. Um, that's their whole, that's their whole issue, right? Every single year that they don't make the playoffs, they haven't seen adversity. Um, and I, th- I think they've, they've gone through a little adversity this year. They didn't have a hard, a hot start to the regular season and, uh, they don't have Stamkos yet. I, I, Stamkos yet. I don't know when he's coming back. If he does get back into this, in this series, that's a huge pickup, obviously. Um, so, and I think, right. Like you said, Vasilevsky can be better than Halak. Halak is playing on his head right now. But, um, yeah, I, I, I still like Tampa in this, in this series. All right. Colorado-Dallas. Dallas up 2 nothing already before this. I would have said Colorado in six probably. I kind of still want to take Colorado just because – it's tough, though. I think Goldstein's going to hurt them. Grubauer, legendary uh, capital champion. But uh, it's tough to say. Down 2 nothing. If you would ask me after game one, I still would have said Colorado in seven probably. But I might have to go like Dallas in six in this one. KP? Uh, I'm going to go Colorado in seven, only because at the beginning of the series, I was with Colorado, so I'm going to stay with them. Sir, hey, B? Uh, same as Kyle. I was I was on Colorado in seven uh, before the series started. Um, again, I like them so much, man. Fuck. I, I, dude, Nathan McKinnon. Nathan fun McKin- to watch. So fun to watch. Dude, he is putting up a very – like, everyone's all McDavid, 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 which I, I am king of, of how good McDavid is. But McKinnon – is putting a very strong argument about he is the best in the world now. I think Kyle may have said it earlier. Yeah. Not in this episode, but I think he may have said it a couple episodes ago. McKinnon is putting up a very good uh, argument of why he is the best in the world, and it's because he wants to win more. It, it looks like he wants to win way more than McDavid does at this point. I know everyone's saying that Colorado is a much better team than Edmonton, which, yeah, they have some pretty good fucking talent coming up. So, I mean, I'll give you that. But – I, it just he just looks like the way McDavid or uh, McKinnon plays. He, he just he it just looks like he wants to win mm-hmm. a lot more than McDavid does. Yeah, agreed. And <clears throat> I mean, obviously, it's easy to say like he's on a much better roster, this that and the other. He doesn't have to carry the load as much. But McKinnon's a fucking dog, man. He's just he's, he's if they win the cup, he's Conn Smythe. He's the leading the leaderboard for Conn Smythe right now, and he's just so fun to watch and so goddamn good. If that goalie, if that goalie for Colorado can. Pick his shit up. I still got. They'll be all right. They'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be all right. The last one here: Vegas versus the Canucks. Vegas up one nothing. The Canucks. Um, I like them a lot. They, you know, they just beat the St. Louis Blues, defending Stanley Cup champs. They're a young team. I don't think they'll win this series. But I'd probably say Vegas in five, maybe six, to be honest. But the Canucks, man, they're a team in the future that's going to be a problem. They're a very good team. I love that team. I love the Jay Beagle snipe and the game winning or the game the the winning, the clinching game against St. Louis. Jay Beagle, absolute dog. But um, I'm going to lead this into my – that's my bandwagon team, the Canucks. I love the Canucks. Love everything about them. So that would be my bandwagon team if they don't get smoked by Vegas, which seems likely. So, KP? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Knox just because fuck Vegas. And yes. because 
I think the the Nucks are a better team. The Vegas is, I think, is kind of riding high on Leonard right now. He stole that that first game. I think mm-hmm. played solid. So that's something I, we bring I up think, in the Tark interview a, as well. Right. I think this is going to be a fun series, but I'm going to go with Nucks. Nucks and six. Nuck and Fox, baby. Ab. Nucks and six. That's crazy. I disagree with yes. both <laughs> very highly. Uh, Golden Knights. I already said it earlier. Golden Knights look like the best team in the NHL right now. I got, I got gold. I got Knights in five. Yeah, I'm thinking Knights in five or six, like tops. But I want to see the Canucks win some games. I like that team a lot, and it it sucks. But oh well, that's my bandwagon team, the Canucks. KP, who's yours? Uh, bandwagon team. We want them to go to the finals. I feel like it's either got to be the Canucks or the Avalanche. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Avalanche. I mean, I I love watching Nathan McKinnon. If I got to pick any any of these teams to watch right now, it'd probably be the Colorado. And Colorado I'd love to Avalanche. see a two-time Stanley Cup champion, Andre Burakovsky. Very true. Yeah, I'm with Kyle. Um, I just, dude, I lo- I'm in love with watching Nathan McKinnon play hockey. Yeah, yeah. Give me every him in the finals. Highlight reel. Dude, every time he touches he touches the ice, he dominates the puck. The puck is on a stick the entire time. Mm-hmm. If you watch their power play. It's gorgeous to watch compared to the shit power play we've watched all season long. He's because yeah. he, he starts in the OV spot, right? But he's not one time. He's not sitting there just blasting one timers away because they have a threat on the other side too. Mm-hmm. So, and I, the other thing that McKinnon does is he's got a very very fast first step. So what he does is like Kale McCarr gives him that pass, that John Carlson pass, winds up. Fakes the one-timer, obviously, holds on to it. Or he'll just make a quick first step right to the high slot, right to almost the Yoshi spot, and just rip a shot on net, and half the time it goes in. Like he, yeah, and, he finds that screen when he makes that shot. It's He finds the screen. He also finds the open ice right in front of him. Whereas OV, so which OV has done for 14 seasons, he's just ripping clappers no matter who's in front of him. You right. know what I mean? He just, he just makes it a look a little more creative, which is awesome. Don't get me wrong, watching Ovechkin clap bombs from the same fucking spot is it's very awesome. fun. Yeah, agreed. So there it is. The second round is off and running. There's our quick series predictions. There's our bandwagon teams. We're about to kick it over to Tark. We're going to end the episode with Tark. But before we do, that is the official end of season one for us here at Chirpin DMV. We started last year in the playoffs. We jumped right into the offseason, which is kind of dumb on our part because we're like, hey, let's do like – two weeks of a podcast and go into a summer with no content or fans. But the first season was awesome. We've got a shit ton of fans. You guys have all been great. The YouTube, the Instagram, the Twitter, uh, buying shirts, this side or the other. We greatly appreciate everything um, from you guys and listening to us and interacting with us and just all that stuff. Game in and game out. It's been a great time. The post game show was a lot of fucking fun, Uh, but that's kind of all I got season two. We're planning a lot of more, a lot more stuff, a lot of shit to happen, and it's going to be even more content for you guys. So with that being said, that's all I have. So KP, AB, anything that on that? No, that's it. Thanks for sticking sticking with us, and hopefully we get a brand new Caps team next year. I do have this. My my bandwagon team is Colorado, but I have futures on the Flyers, uh, twenty to win five sixty. That's huge. I got okay. twenty yeah. to win two hundred on Tampa, and I've got twenty to win two forty on the Dallas Stars. So if anyone wins the Cup, I hope it's those three teams. Okay, yes. thank you very much. And cheese steaks on AB if the Flyers win, that would be awesome. And if the Bolts win, we'll fly down and hang out with AB for the parade. Dude, if I get a Flyers versus Tampa Bay uh, Eastern Conference final and then the You're Stars. You're looking pretty good. Yeah, and then the Stars versus like the Golden Knights. 
and then the pretty good old nights love it well there it is guys now Tarek El-Bashir from The Athletic All right, guys, we now welcome back on recurring guests, our, our favorite insider here, Tarek Elbashir. Man, I'm sure you've been busy, but how are you doing? I'm doing great. I mean, you know, kind of sick of this chair and this desk. but Yeah, yeah so that's, that's, that's kind of my first question before we get into the little bit of Caps news and stuff we have to talk about. But how is it like covering the team from the bubble? Um, I'm sure like every type of media availability, you probably – had to get into a big Zoom room like this with the player. You get picked out of a hat if, when it's your turn to go. It's like, how how was that? Was it harder, easier? What was, the, what was the biggest differences? So let's start with the game. I would say from from an actual watching the game standpoint, it was not as great because, you know, when you're in the press box, even though you're 150 feet away from the ice, you can see things developing, right? Like you can right. see what's going on behind the play. You can see two guys are still tangled up when – the puck is, you know, in the neutral zone. So you get kind of a feel for how the game is going. You can see when guys are injured and they're going down the tunnel or when they're talking to the trainer. You're not at the mercy of a producer in a satellite truck in another country, you know, um, uh, you know, showing you what you need to see. That said, what I realized after having not watched a whole lot of hockey on television because I was always at the games, there's a whole lot more you see, too. I mean, the, the, the broadcasts are really good these days. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The replays are awesome. For the most part, their spotters or whoever's watching it kind of has a good feel for, hey, go back and look at this play. Go back and look. We think the injury occurred here. So, um, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. I, I'd always rather be in the building. But, you yeah. know, if you're going to be in the building with no fans and no atmosphere, I don't know what you're going to gain from that. Um, the Zoom calls were, and still are, <laughs> a bit of an adventure. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw uh, early on, we were kind of struggling with unmuting ourselves before asking. Yeah, yeah, because it'd be like, Samantha Pell, Washington Post, and it'd be like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh, yeah. sorry, here I am. So, so, so some of those little details have been worked out here, but I, did, I really pissed off Alex Ovechkin early on. Like, I... <laughs> I, I broke up and then my screen went away and then I didn't unmute myself and he went, Jesus Tark. <laughs> and uh, someone cut it uh, from, I think from a Russian machine and put it on the internet. And uh, so I've been funny. hearing about that. Um, but you know, the, the biggest problem as a journalist is again, like you need, you need to be in the room and talk to guys off to the side and you don't want to ask mm -hmm. all of your questions in front of all of your competitors and, Sometimes you don't really get a follow-up. It depends how many people are there. Sometimes you're in the room, the chat room with 10 people. If they give every person a question, you're not going to be able to follow up on what you said you did what? You know, like you, you can't come back to that. If the journalist behind you is not paying attention, you may not follow up on like a big, a big, you know, moment in the interview. I mean, so, but look, unprecedented times, man. What are we, I mean, the, yeah. the, fact, the fact that I had something to write about, you know, um, keep me employed i mean can't really complain too much about that well Thanks. yeah i'm sure you'd like to have more to write about but before we get into all that still so were you just watching on like regular tv like the nbc sports washington feed or the 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 main national broadcast so um i'm in my man cave right here and i'm on my laptop so i have a 50 something inch tv over here that needs to be replaced because it's old um now I have two like 30 inch monitors right here. And then I have this laptop and I mm. would usually have the away feed on one of my monitors here. Then I would have like Joe B and the guys here. And then I would have it up here too, but up here is like 30 seconds behind. 
Right. That's so, that's what I'm kind of getting to is the yeah. delay issue because you I, got- I actually so via NHL uh, whatever it's called that I pay twenty five dollars a month for mm-hmm. like that was only like seven or eight seconds. I mean that was like a normal almost like you're live right. True. So that was over here, and then if I wanted to see something again, I could just look here, and I would catch it, you know, 12, uh, yeah, 15 right. seconds That's later, nice. and I could see the another angle from, you know, whatever the, 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 the either the national, and there was also a function where you could use a different camera view. Um, oh, um, you could choose the view? Yeah, it was kind of like a, a drawn back view. I didn't use that very much at all. Um, so honestly, it was like too much information. I mean, like, like sometimes I was just like, you know, I was like this, yeah. there was like too much going on, but... Um, it worked out, you know, I, you know, I, 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 again, I wish I were there, but again, with no fans in the building, you don't feel the atmosphere and, you know, Sam Pell from the post, she wins. Well, that's and- why I'm kind of asking because like I'm streaming the game, watching it on NBC sports. And then like, I'm looking at Twitter too, cause I'm tweeting off our chirping account. And I just see like Islander score again from Samantha Pell. I'm like, damn it. And then like yeah. 10 seconds yeah. later they score and I'm like, oh crap. No, that, that definitely happened, and, yeah. and it definitely was annoying. Um, but it also would sometimes, you know, uh, it would give me – it would remind me to kind of, like, pay more attention. Like, I would see, oh, Cap score tied it up 1-1. So then I'd come back here, and i know, okay, let's see what the play – you know, really kind of dial in a little bit. I mean, you know, when the Caps do well, it's good for me. But at the same time, I'm not really cheering for them, you know. So, like – I, I don't know. I, I, for me, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm analyzing what's going on. Right. Yeah. And so, so basically I would, this, this, this is honestly how a goal would go. My phone would buzz right here. I would go, Oh, Sam said it's um one, one. Okay. Let me pay attention to this play. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me look at it one more time here. Really? How did he do that? You know, like that, that's literally how, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how it went for me. So, Let's start with this, A.B. I'm sure you want to chime in on this. Back to our conversation in January, I think it was. You you filled our brains with all this, here's why you shouldn't have to worry, because this is going to work itself out. This is going to work itself out. And none of it worked itself out. <laughs> Kinda, but, um, yeah, so let's, let's talk about some of that. A.B., I'm sure you remember some of that. But, uh, yeah, so let's, let's, let's start with the power play. This is a power play that, you know, is always a perennially, perennial top power play, and we couldn't really dig ourselves out of a hole except for those two Oshi goals in game one. Yeah, I mean, the, the offense going AWOL was something that was – I mean, that, that's why they're out. I mean, th- that's a, that's obviously the, the biggest deficiency they had. But, you know, I when did we talk? What, was it early January? I think so, yeah. somewhere on that. So so that was in the beginning phases of, like, everything kind of falling apart, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that was where it was like, man, this hasn't looked right since that Boston blowout when they went down five, nothing, and then lost seven to three. But you know what? I mean, let's, let's give credit to John Carlson, Alex Ovechkin, and Nicholas back. They'll, they'll pull themselves together. By like February, everyone was like, mm-hmm. this is not, this is not good. They are not responding. They're not putting the same um, um, execution and level of uh, effort out on a night to night basis. What's wrong? Um, and then you get to the pause, and you're like, oh, my God, the world's burning. What's, you know, what's, what's happening here? And then five months later, you come back, okay, well, look, they're rested. These are professionals. These guys want to win another cup during this window. No, it's the same old, same old, isn't it? And I'll be honest. I, I mean, I, I've been talking to a lot of people trying to kind of diagnose where things went wrong. And – Something clearly changed in January. Mm-hmm. Not sure what it was. 
But I never got the feeling, even going to Kettler or MedStar Capitals Iceplex and watching those practices every single day for, what, two weeks during training camp, Mm -hmm. that everyone was 100% dialed in and happy to be there and, like, raring to go. I never really got that feeling. You know, without being in the room, without being talking to guys, like, you don't really – again, you're removed, right? You're, like, like more of, like, a a broadcaster rather than a beat reporter. But it just always felt a little – or a podcaster oh, trying to get interviews. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a little contrived, a little like they're there because they're supposed to be there. And I don't know. I, I think that carried over into the bubble and, you know, maybe not enough enthusiasm from everybody. And, it, you know, it, 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 uh, it turned into what it turned into. So to bounce off that, I mean, we're talking about the power play right now. There's obviously a lack of urgency, I felt like, throughout the entire seat or throughout the, the, the pretty much when we started dropping off. Um, and everyone, I mean, including us, everyone is so quickly to go right to what is Todd Reardon doing. But, I mean, you got to put it on the players as well with the lack of urgency. What would you say? Would you say it's a 50-50 split and they just had to let Todd go because you can't fire an entire team? Or do you think do you think it was a coaching staff issue? Do you think it was a player issue? Like, what, where would you lean towards that if you could? Yeah, no, that's a good question, man. I and, and I've always kind of struggled with that. I think I think even the people who make the decisions are sort of I don't say guessing, but they're kind of going off gut feel and and what they see. You know, you're always trying to figure out number one, did they fail in the playoffs because the coach didn't push the right buttons and he didn't hold the right guys accountable. Was it his X's and O's? Was he outcoached by Barry Trotz? Did they fall into the New York Islanders' trap? Or was it B, the players were given the information and decided they didn't want to do it? Or was it C, this was a weird-ass hockey bubble summer tournament in another country. No one really wanted to be there while their wives were at home with their two kids. I've already been paid and I've already won. You know, like, like was – well, you know, how much of, you know, you're trying to figure out, you know, what part yeah. of that was, was, was the culprit. I mean, I, I think I've kind of laid out for you guys. I, I, I think it was a little of all three. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure which one was the most. I mean, it's hard for me to, to look at the players and just go, I mean, Alex, if I had 48 goals during the regular season, what happened? I mean, he had, I know he had four, and he was one of the one of the better players in the in the in the playoffs. Um, you know, Nick Backstrom was hurt. John Carlson was clearly not healthy, so that's your number one center and your number one D man are you know pretty much not in there. And then Eller missed a couple of games. Um, but I I do feel like the fingers were starting to point back at Todd before they got to the bubble. I I, I feel like yeah. when they were trying to assess and diagnose what was going wrong. I do feel like they were starting to wonder about the coaching before. And again, Todd is a good man. He's a good hockey coach. He's a good X's nose coach. I just feel like sometimes, and I've covered this league for 20 years, man. Sometimes it is hard for people to go for good coaches to go from assistant to butt kicking, you know, head coach who's in charge of the whole thing. And when I speak, everyone better sit up in your stall and listen even though two years ago I was the guy who was the good cop who came behind after Barry Trotz kicked everyone's ass and said, okay, listen, here, here's what you got to do to get better. You know, so it's, it's kind of hard to, to change those gears and go from assistant to head. I will tell you this, hockey history is littered with guys who didn't do well in that first, in that first job 
and, you know, and then came back four or five years later after maybe some more time on the bench mm-hmm. as an assistant, and all of a sudden they're good. I mean, Bruce Cassidy's, you know, you know, watching him right now. I mean, that's that's a prime example. Right. So, would do you say? I don't know how much this plays into effect, but for like a first year coach, do you, would you say it's harder or easier for like in Todd's situation, you go right into a defending Stanley Cup championship team compared to a first year coach that might go right into a rebuilding team and kind of has a little luxury, not as much pressure, I, I'd say, but I, I don't know how much that would play into it. Oh, man, you, 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 hit, you hit the nail on the head, man. I mean, when you go in at the ground floor and you're drafting guys, the core guys, and you're you're building a team, you put your fingerprints all over it, right? I mean, that, mm-hmm. that, that's your – and again, like – and you, you said it. There's no pressure. No one's expecting you to win. Then you take over a Stanley Cup champion after a coach named Barry Trotz who's been around a long time. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows what happened there with that messy breakup at the end. I mean, Reardon was in a tough spot to begin. I mean, you know, uh, kudos to him for taking it on. I mean, obviously, when you have that opportunity, you're going to take it. But he had to have been – he's a smart guy. Mm -hmm. He's a very prepared guy. He probably went into that going, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. But (laughs) this is is a hard situation to be inheriting right now. Uh, But you know what? you know, I, I've been waiting my whole life. I've been preparing my whole life for this for this moment. I'm going to take it head on, and I'm going to do the best I can. And you know, as it turned out, it, see, you know, it, it was a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Um. So, again, we're we're talking about the coaching issue right now. What I've been seeing on Twitter lately is I've been seeing a lot of people basically like get over the Barry Trotz thing. Like it happened, just get over it. I'm like, and as a fan, as an irrational fan over here. We, in our eyes, we see the Caps, this head coach wins you your first Stanley Cup ever. Yeah. He's also, before that, with the Nashville Predators, he's made the playoffs for so many years in a row or whatever, and they've never had any superstars. I mean, they've had, they had, I mean, they did have Shea Weber, Ryan Sear. They had great def- defense. They had Pekka Rene, great, great in the, uh, in the net. But forward-wise, they didn't really have any, Anything. Jordan Tutu. Tutu. Yeah, Jordan Tutu. <laughs> I loved him. He's he one of my favorites. Tutu train. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, just his, his track record alone, like, I know he never got past the second round until us. Like, there's – but I just feel like he's brought Nashville to – like, he brought Nashville to a playoff team when they probably shouldn't have on paper. He's now done that with the Islanders as well. As a fan, I'm kind of like – no, I'm not going to get over it. He's one of the best coaches in the league. Why do we not pay him? What, what, how would you respond to that? Well, I'll tell you this, and I, I really, really appreciate you knowing right off the bat that as a fanatic, as a fan, you're a bit irrational. <laughs> I, I deal with you guys on Twitter all day. And look, I'm a fan. Cap Twitter's bad. We'll put that out there. Cap Twitter you know is tough. Cap Twitter's fine. You know, um, um, I have a lot of fun with them. But look, man, that was a complicated <laughs> complicated complex situation remember uh i mean so let's just back up to like november of 2018 when fans wanted him gone yeah yeah he almost got fired i'm staying here not me okay there was another moment later in the year where people were going "Mm, i don't know and then they get to the playoffs and he makes a really gutsy decision um you know to to start phil grubauer instead of Braden holpe and then he has to kind of undo that, too. And if you go back even further to the beginning of that year, Barry Trotz was already mad going into that year because 
he was allowed to be a lame duck coach, which is something that does not happen very often at all, um, especially to coaches of his stature, right? I mean, typically, if you are interested in keeping a coach, especially someone of his stature, you're going to give him an extension going into his final year so he doesn't feel like he's being undercut uh, or, or, or that his authority in the room can be questioned, yeah. right? That didn't happen. Coaches around him on that staff got extended. He didn't. So he was irked already going into that year. And then, you know, they go and they win the cup and they go on this magical run. And do you remember there was a moment where he was shaking hands with, uh, with Tortorella? Uh, he said, yep. I'm gone. And that became a thing. And they win the cup and it triggers an, a, a clause in his contract. It actually gave him an extension. But again, that extension paid him below what the top guys in the league were being paid. So he goes to, you know, rightfully so like anyone who asks for a raise and goes to management and says, Hey, I want more money. And I want five years. And they were like, we can talk about the money. We're not going to give you five years. In retrospect and hindsight, I mean, as we know, it's 2020 in retrospect, they should have just figured it out somehow because who knows what would have happened in these, ne in these next two years. And if you got to fire a guy with three years left on it, you, you just fire Todd Reardon with two years left on his yeah. deal. What if you to fire Barry with three, but you want another cup? You know what I mean? Like now, so you look back on it and you're like, yeah, that wasn't the smartest move. But, you know, as, as a person who has to make decisions like you guys every single day, you make the best decision based on the information you have at the time when you have to make that decision. I think if, if Brian McClellan and Todd and, uh, and Ted Leone said to do it all over again, there would have been a different outcome. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff that gets thrown in there is, like you said, the term. Barry wanted term. We didn't really want to do term, but a lot of people still want to bash Ted for not shelling out the checkbook with the blank check. But going back to GMBM's press conference there the other day, he said we need a coach who can really kind of push the buttons. Is that something that he was kind of underlying saying, like, hey, we had a lot of top guys. And they didn't perform. I mean, we got Jacob Brown who has three goals in 38 playoff games, and he didn't do a damn thing these playoffs. But yet we consistently saw him right there on that second line wing. No, I mean, He got benched for, what, 10 minutes and then came out, had a good shift, and then that was it. But is that something that he was kind of speaking to as in, like, yeah. hey, we had a lot of guys that yeah. didn't do shit, but Todd really didn't do anything to change it or try to fix it? Yes, that's exactly what he's saying. Um, I, I feel like – he was also talking about the second half of the regular season where they were just meh, you know? Um, I'll tell you this, man, the Capitals room got a bunch of good dudes in there, but it's got mm -hmm. a lot of high maintenance superstar yeah. guys that, that it takes a special kind of person who can manage that, those egos and those personalities. It's not that easy. There are a lot of dudes in there that want the puck on their stick and want to be over here on the power play and want to get this many shots and want this many minutes a night. Barry Trotz was able to manage that for some reason. Uh, you know, well, I mean, I shouldn't say so for some reason because of his experience, right? Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, again, getting back to, you know, going from the good cop to the, the bad cop. Remember when, when, remember when Bruce Boudreaux tried that one year to switch from, like, the happy, you know, pat everyone on the back, give everyone a hug, to try to be the hard ass that next year and it didn't work and then Bambi was done? It's just – it's hard to change who you are and who you, you were. You can't adapt to yeah. your players. You got to have them adapt to you and your systems. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Um, look, I, again, hindsight, you, you should have just figured it out with Barry Trotz and just rolled with it. And if you had to make a change, you had to make a change. Because now, if it was, even in the back of their minds, money, they're paying Todd for two years to not work for them. And they're going to be hiring another coach and staff 
for well, three, four, whatever they end up settling for, um, uh, to not coach until hockey starts again, which may may or may not be in December. So either way, you're kind of <laughs> you're kind of uh, right back uh, in the same situation. Yeah, you're paying for it now, yeah. and you should have paid for it knowing that you know yeah. the window was open this much after they won that cup, and now after missing two more years, that window's open that much. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't yeah. even think there's a candidate out there that you can compare to Barry Trotz. Well, we can try. Yeah, I, was I, say, I mean, go ahead. Uh, well, to bounce off that a little bit, I mean, I, I kind of think they're – I mean, maybe not as good as Barry, but, like, there there definitely are some big-ass names out there that we could scoop up. But the the other big question was – like, or the, the rumor is that Ted Leonsis doesn't want to shell out the money for it. Do you think he'll shell out money for $5 million a year or $6 million a year for a head coach? Well, I think well, he learned his lesson. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I've covered this team on and off since 2003. Um, the MO, for the most part, for the hockey team, not for the basketball team, because, you know, Scott Brooks makes a lot of money, um, yeah. is that coaches are, I shouldn't say replaceable, but they're not the, the biggest – not the the biggest deal. Um, get spending to the cap for your players, making They're sure the, that you. What's that? They're the first guy to blame when shit's going. Yeah, down. yeah, exactly. So, so you know, they'll always spend the cap on the uh, to the cap on players. I, but I do feel like they maybe undervalue the position of coaching a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I and you know Ted did just have to furlough a number two hundred some employees, and yes, I'm looking at a calendar on my wall. He hasn't made any money off ticket sales since March the 9th. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's hemorrhaging money right now. Mm-hmm. I, I checked with one of my sources yesterday and was told, hey, listen, coaching budgets and, like, you know, the ticket sales and marketing, but those are different budgets. So don't mm-hmm. say, oh, he, he furloughed some people. He's not going to spend any money. They, right. Because, I mean, we even heard GMBM say in the press conference that, hey, we're not going to be shy about He's doing not going to be constrained by money, right? And- so, I mean – you know, there, like you said, there's some big names out there. I mean, Peter Laviolette, you know, he's won a cup and he's been to the finals two other times. He's a hard ass. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he will, he will drill some discipline and some accountability into that room. Uh, Gerard Gallant, I have less a feel for his, his coaching um, uh, kind of skill set, but I tell you this, he played hockey with Brian McClellan for a year in Detroit. Yeah. But here's so, the thing about Gerard. Relationship. I like Gerard a lot, but go back and I I heard Alan I, I listened I read Alan May say this and he talked about how Gerard was kind of not that great in terms of adjustments especially in that Stanley Cup final series I mean that was our easiest yeah. series in that playoff yeah. and what was the biggest issue this playoffs adjustments line changes yeah. I mean yeah. we have a lineup that can't score a top six that can't score and from game to game the only moves we're making are on defense and we yeah. have three guys that scored goals the entire series. Take out Oshie because that's a power play. And let's not count that. You have two guys that scored five on five. So, we don't make really many adjustments line-wise. So, I mean, in terms of lines, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I mean, um, to me, when I think of getting out coached, I don't necessarily think about systems. Um, I mean, yeah, look, so, you know, Barry was playing a trap there. Could the Caps have found a better way to get around it? Sure. Um, did they get frustrated? Sure. Could he have shaken up the lines a little more? Possibly. I mean, when I think of getting out coached, I think of somebody just eating your lunch in terms of line matching. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't get a feel for like mm-hmm. he kept throwing out the wrong deep air against 
Barzal. He kept throwing out, you know, Ovi against Clutterbuck. I, like, I didn't, I didn't get a feel for he was just getting, you know, getting his butt handed to him in terms of matching. I, I mean, in terms of getting out, Coach, I, 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 I feel like, you know, getting back to your, your point, Alex, I mean, I do think some of it wasn't the players. And one thing that, mm-hmm. you know, we may not get to the bottom of for a while is going to be, you know, was there a motivation issue? Was – you know, and we talk about pushing the right buttons. I mean, you know, part of pushing the right buttons, and I'm trying to look at the score here now. It's a one-one Boston Tampa Bay. Is you know, you're thinking of Cassidy, and you're thinking of um, uh, uh, Cooper. I mean, are they able to get their guys dialed in every single night for this weird-ass bubble hockey tournament mm-hmm. in the middle of summer in Toronto? Seems like they've done a decent job. Um, now uh, they've gotten kind of into the second round. Cause I mean, you watch the round Robin, especially for us top four teams. And it was like, dude, what are we watching of, out yeah. of all of these teams? And even like the qualifying, like some of those teams, you're just like, you can tell, like some of these guys don't want to be here. They can say yeah. they want to be here all they Pittsburgh, want, but I'm watching you play hockey. Pittsburgh Do you really like want to be here? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so one thing that, you know, players and Reardon said a number of times, you know, throughout all those zoom calls was, you know, they didn't feel like they had, the requisite or, you know, everyone pulling on the rope with the same amount of force at the same time for a full 60 minutes. You know, they, they felt like, all right, they got eight guys going today, but the other guys are just meh. You know, okay, we got the, those, oh, we got those other 10 going today, but the other eight are just meh. Yeah. Like, it takes, it takes everybody for a full 60 minutes, and they just didn't seem to be able to get that. And, you know, getting back to, you know, managing the, the, the personalities, I mean – you guys brought up Jake Verona. You got to figure out a way to get that guy to score. I mean, like, you know, some of it is. I mean, obviously, a lot of it is is the player. But you know, maybe he needed a scratching. Maybe he needed something to kind of really, mm-hmm. you know, wake him up and let right him know that you know, one break away every for sixty minutes, that's not good enough for you right now. You're a better player than that. You owe it to yourself and your teammates to play better than you're playing right now. Right. And the bounce yeah. off them real quick. Um, we, we, you mentioned that it didn't seem like we could ever put together a full 60 minutes in this, in, in the bubble hockey, but it almost felt like that since December or January, like yeah. since January, we just couldn't put together a full 60 minutes. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, uh, McClellan even kind of alluded to that. Yeah. Uh, was it yesterday, two days ago when he, t- when he spoke was, um, Sunday, yeah. you, you know, it, uh, it, it actually, this wasn't just based on what happened in Toronto. I mean, that was a big part of it, but he was concerned about those last 20 games. Remember those last 20 games? And that's that only goes back to, like, January, like late January. We're not even talking about the whole month of January. We're talking from, like, January 27th, I think, was 20 to the to the stoppage. Yep. Eight, nine, and three. I mean, that's that's not 500. And then uh-huh. and then you look at some of the, the, underlying, the underlying stats during those 20 games. They never had the puck. And yeah. they gave up 3.5 goals a game. That was the worst in the entire NHL. For those last 20 games of the regular season, the Capitals were the worst defensive team, top to bottom, in the entire league. Did we struggle getting pucks on net? Because, I mean, I, I didn't go back and check the stats for, like, in January, but you may know. But, I mean, in this round robin, I mean, the Philly game, the Boston game, we weren't getting our first shot on that until about 10 minutes into the game. It was like the yeah. 52 mark, this out of the it, other. It, it was a problem. It was a problem here and there. Um, the, the problem more in that second half of the regular season, like I said, was the goaltenders not stopping the puck and the defense and the forwards not doing a whole lot to help their goaltenders. So, 
you know, and that's something we haven't talked about yet. But I mean, the Caps, if they're going to move forward, they got to get a lot better in between the fights, a lot. Yeah. So I mean, let's kind of talk a lot's about changing. Yeah, some players. I mean, let's look at this roster. Let's talk about the three guys here we brought in late: Kovalchuk, Gudas, Dylan. What's the likelihood of each one of them coming back? And kind of, I mean, Kovalchuk didn't do a damn thing. Gudas was. 50-50 at times. He played well or he didn't play well. And But, and the, but Brendan Dillon's a guy that everybody's clamoring, like, sign him, keep him, do what we can. But he, to bounce off that real quick, he played well but also took two to three penalties a game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, he came, he came to Washington as the most penalized player in the yeah. league. So, like, it, it's, it's yeah. not like he changed his – it's not like he got here and was like, yeah, I'm going to start taking a lot of he, – he was already taking a lot of penalties. Um, uh, I do think Dillon will have a chance to resign. Um, it sounds to me and talking to people that they're going to hit free agency and see what's out there and then kind of come back with their best offer and see if the caps will match or exceed. Cause I think Brendan likes it here. Mm-hmm. You know, he's also from Vancouver. That's the whole other side of the world um, of North America from here. So um, we'll see. I, I think that if the plan is to stay a big, heavy, you know, we're going to just, you know, stuff it down your, your throat kind of team. I think Dylan fits that mold pretty well and that they will resign him as long as he does not ask him for uh, an insane amount of money. And I don't think you really can, um, you know, given everything that's going on right now. Um, yeah. Kovalchuk. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think he really wanted to be here on the, on the restart. He, he was one of the guys out and just looked like he wasn't dialed in. Came here, tried to ride the coattails to a cup and skate with Opie. Never got a chance to. Got mad about it. And now he's gone. So, you just summed it up perfectly. Gudis, I don't know what his deal was, man. I thought he played really good at the start of the year, and then he started fading, and then he started fading, and then he started fading, and then in the playoffs, you know, he saw his comments during the stoppage where he was like, "I don't think we should even come back and play," and then he shows up and he he says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm dialed in. I'm ready to go." And you know, he didn't start. He didn't start in the lineup and. I don't think he was ever feeling it. So I think he's, I should say, I think he's gone. So, um, you know, I would say Dylan's the guy to keep an eye on. Um, You know, Ponick, uh, you know, he's probably better, better suited on the fourth line, the way he played kind of like as an expensive Brendan Leipzig replacement, which means you got to figure out what you're going to do on that third line. So yeah, there's some holes that, you know, have to be filled and you better hope that Ilya Samsonov not only is healthy, but is going to be able to, um, be a 1A because, you know, right now, uh, you know, last year he was, he was, you know, a backup. So can, can he be the guy? So we're completely writing Hopi off at this point. It's sucks to see. It hates to, We hate to see it, but it's, it, it's, it, it's business. A lot. I, I wouldn't say completely written off. Just in talking to people I've talked to, it sounds like, yeah, mostly. Like 70, 30, 80, 20, he's gone. Um, that said, we don't know what free agency is going to look like. Right. We don't know what his offers are going to look like. He's coming off a really not so good year. Uh, followed, you know, which was preceded by a really not so good year, preceded by a really not so good year that weirdly ended up with a Stanley Cup. Followed so, by Bobrovsky proving you shouldn't pay goalies a lot of money. That's another thing, um, Matthew. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, I think that the hockey community is now waking up to the fact that goalies are like closers in baseball. Mm-hmm. They can have it yeah. and they can lose it and they can get it back, but they might not get it back. We don't know. Like, do you really want to wrap up? You know, and, and you know. $10 million, a large percentage of your cap that didn't go up in a dude who might have a bad two months. I mean, you, you, it's, you know, uh, when you got a franchise guy, 
you know, which Braden was for a while there. And you're sure it's going to be that guy for a while, but there's only a handful of those dudes, right? There's only a handful, Vasilevsky, Terry Price, you know, there's only a Tuka Rask, there's only a handful. Of, and even Rask kind of lost it and then got it back. And then he just kind of went home on his team, you know, like, yeah. um, so, uh, yeah, they got some question marks, but I would say not as many major, like, massive question marks. I mean, they got their top seven forwards, you know, counting, you know, Eller in the hole, in the in the seven hole there, the, the uh, three C spot. Um, I think what I'm, what I'm curious about, and this is what we're probably not going to get a better feel until we get to the draft, is going to be does Brian feel like he needs to kind of stir things up by making a move? And is there a move out there that can kind of – you know, get a get a big piece in here and maybe make everyone kind of excited and you know, okay, let's let's look, you know, right. let's do this. Go ahead, Ab. I know you're ready for that. So to bounce off that, because we we talked about it on one of our post game shows. There, I mean, crazy kind of crazy idea that I saw rolling around on Twitter. But I mean, you say Ob tra- trade Ob. I'm gonna no, no, jump no, no, no. to the street. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but Orlov. A lot of people didn't like his performance. Uh, a lot of people disliked had disliked his performance all season long, maybe even for the past two seasons. Uh, he's He can be very, very good at times. He can also be pretty inconsistent at times. Dude, if we made a move, would he be, like, the number one name to look for? I would say the number one name. Look, um, Brian McClellan went out of his way to say, I like Orloff the other day in his, in his press conference, which I found kind of funny. He did. It was like he didn't say that about, like, anyone else. He, he, it, was like, it was like a non sequitur, too. It was like in the middle of, like, another sentence. And I was like, what? Where did that come <laughs> from? So, look, when, when I'm trying to figure out as a, uh, as a beat writer what, who, who could be on the move, what you got to look for is you got to look for guys who are being paid too much for the role they're playing right now. Is he a five point million dollar defenseman? Maybe, close. Maybe not. Depends on on how you look at him and what night you look at him. Are there other lefties in the system? <clears throat> Barnes, Verivari, <clears throat> Alex Alexiev, who are starting to get ready to start pushing some dudes out. How close are they to being ready? That said. Defensemen don't grow on trees either, right? Like right. You, you don't want to make the problem worse. By by trading a dude who yeah he's he's in McClellan's words from a few years ago called him a high event player because it's either like you're either like doing something spectacular or giving up a goal uh, he's not that he's not that guy anymore but um and then it well even on that like you you mentioned two young guys it like to me it feels it almost feels like sometimes we're almost. I don't want to say too slow. Too well. I, I mean, yeah. This we're old. Go ahead and say it, Alex. We're Go ahead and say it. Yeah. We're old. Old and slow, man. They looked old and slow against the Islanders. They're no, so no, old. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that the organization is almost too slow to bring up these young guys. Oh, you mean too conservative? I, I see what you're saying. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you, you, what 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 I would say to that is your your window to win a championship it's right now right i mean it, like, like you can't take any chances you don't want any dudes but i think what they saw and the islanders were an old team too which kind of kind of like messes up your uh your comparison yeah. there because i do feel like they looked the caps looked old and slow compared to the islanders but the islanders are a pretty old roster too um but even in the round robin i just felt like and sorry to kind of jump here but jim rutherford the general manager of the penguins he was talking to the media the other day, 
and he mentioned a number of times that I feel like the Capitals and the Penguins rosters are starting to kind of, you know, like everyone kind of after they win that championship, they try to keep that window open for as long as they can. They kind of start going in that direction. I think you can draw some parallels there. He said, this is Rutherford, he said, I feel like we need to get some young guys and get some like younger and hungrier guys in the lineup. And that happens. I mean, again, I've covered this sport for 20 years now i mean you can get to the point where you have too many dudes on big tickets who've already won and they're a little you know a little happy and full you know and they need you get you need that 21 year old who hasn't won yet and he comes into the room and he's got a little cockiness and he might start a little chippiness in the practice and he's got some energy and he comes in with the music blaring and he just gets everyone kind of excited and reminds them of what it was like to be that guy years ago and it kind of injects that that kind of youthful uh, exuberance into the room. I do feel like the Caps are kind of at that point where they need a couple of of young, hungry, energetic dudes to kind of bring that bring that energy level up. You know? Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, you see it all across the league. Teams just kind of getting young. But go ahead, KP. I cut you off on that last one. Uh, I mean, well, I'll just jump to this. I mean. Out of all the things that Todd Reardon did wrong, do you think, I mean, the defensive changes in the playoffs were wrong that he should have made the offensive changes before the defensive changes? I know he's a D guy, but what was yeah. his biggest mistake, do you think, that series? I mean, when you're talking about, when you're talking about like, the, the actual changing of personnel, I, I feel like, and this is where the stoppage kind of blew things up there. He was going to use those last 13 games to really kind of dial in his, his top six. Like that, like that was the plan. Was those last dozen games, we're gonna figure out who our guys are and who, you know, who's not. And then the season stopped, right? And then you get to the other side of it, and you're still tinkering, getting going into the bubble. So I, I think they never were able to really find six dudes who worked well together. Uh, they could always find like four, but there was always like two that weren't going on a given night. So I, I think when you look at the off season. That's where you're going to see the, the, the biggest amount of change, I think. I do think there could be a trade back there. I do think that the $10.4 million or whatever they've got, according to Cap Friendly, that they've got to, to spend in free agency, I think some of that's going to be spent on defense. And I, I would expect those are going to be your biggest changes are going to be on that back end. It, just, about, it wasn't good enough. What about yeah. moving a guy like Michael Kempney, going back to your left-handed defenseman thing, who's a guy that he – I was talking to my – I got a good buddy who's a Blackhawks fan, and I was talking to him the other day, and it was just kind of like, yeah, Kempney came in, had that really good run in 2018, but honestly, since then, what really have we seen out of him? Yeah, 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 you nailed it. I mean, you know, that first game against the Islanders, uh, I thought Braden Holtby was not very good. I feel like that put the Capitals kind of behind the eight ball right off the bat. But if you go back and you look at a couple of those goals – Michael Kempney probably could have done a little more to help him. He could have tied up a stick. He could have boxed out a little better. I think that was kind of emblematic of how he's played. Like you said, since that championship run, it's been kind of – it's been hit or miss. Um, he had the big injury. Uh, he's a guy who relies on his wheels. I don't know if he ever got back to the skating legs that he had before that injury. You know, is he damaged goods? Can you trade him? I, I, I say all bets are off when it comes to that back end. John Carlson is not getting traded. I can, I can promise you guys that. <laughs> right. Uh, Jonas Siegenthaler. I like him a lot. He's not getting traded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, After that, oh, and I, I would say Nick Jensen actually played very well against the Islanders. He did. Yeah, he did. He, he, he kind game of found trade. his game. I would say not getting traded, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't swear to it. But everyone else, man, I, 
you know, they may be getting a phone call at some point. So I, I, I think that that's, that's the part of the roster that needs the most retooling is that, that back end. Agreed. And, and, I, and look, I know people say that the lefty-righty thing is overrated. It's not, man. There's a reason why almost all the coaches do it when they can, right? It, it's overrated when you don't have 3D that are left and right. And then it's exactly what you need when you got 3D that are left and right. So, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Y'all play um, hockey? How hard is it to get the puck off the board on your backhand? It is you tough. Back, right, you yeah. get your back turned to everything behind you. Even in men's league, when the guy's not even trying to get the puck from me, and I'm right. still so, like, oh, Jesus Christ. backhand <laughs> <laughs> is never fun. It's never fun. <laughs> but um, to, so to bounce off of Kyle's question a little bit, I mean, we, we, he mentioned the, tri- uh, or the non-changes, and we mentioned Kovalchuk earlier, how he didn't do anything. When you're down 3 nothing in a series – my that's that was our biggest question. How do you not get like I mean you get Kovalchuk because he used to be an elite goal scorer, so you think you could spark him up. He had a decent first half of the season. Like you said, he may have not been into it after the bubble off that. But how do you at least not like he's a player at this point in his mm-hmm. career where he needs someone to set him up and able to score. He can't do it by himself. Yet you play him with well Lars Eller, he could probably set him up, but he's more I think we we use him more of a utility player more than sure, sure. Uh, we have Carl Hagelin who's a defensive forward and you put Kovalchuk who's a goal scorer uh, like I guess my question is why not try like why not just experiment so, with the so he, he did get some run up there I mean you know not like uh, a lot but you know when Ridden would do his bump up lines you know coming out of a penalty kill or a power play um, you know Kovalchuk got moved around the lineup a bit I mean there were there were a handful is just where he's skating with Kuznetsov and, and Ovechkin. You know, some of the kills. Yeah, it was like, what? And he, was, he wasn't good then either. Yeah, uh, he had one shot. Oh, I mean, you're not wrong. Well, they never stuck shot. with that line. They never gave him, like, a real chance. Yeah, if you yeah. give him a I mean, But then, but I, I, I look, it's really easy for us to say. I mean, they, they have a better feel for, for what – I mean, I'm sure they had, like, a small a, – a big enough sample size of, okay, we played 12 shifts with Ovi and, and Kuznetsov, and they spent that entire sh- – all those shifts in their own end chasing the puck. I'm sure they have those numbers. I mean, I, I, I don't break it down, like, you know, to, to, to that degree. But um, he had his opportunities. And I just felt like, man, he he looked old. He looked slow. He did. He wasn't around the puck. He was hanging out in the corner. He was hanging out near the wall. Like it just. He looked like the prototypical Kovalchuk that everybody warns you about. He yeah. he would have one good shift every like three to four games. It felt like I, I'll, right. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, guys. He had a couple of flashes before the stoppage. I didn't see anything in the playoffs. No, I didn't see anything no, at no. all. No. I kind of want to bounce back to the goalies real quick, and this isn't really much of a important question it's just i want to ask you for two way reasons a because th- the choice to choose uh vanacek over copley i mean both good goalies both had good years in hershey but you know that that samsonov news comes kind of surprising to everybody and we're like holy crap what if something happens where hopey gets hurt or has a couple bad games and we need to put the backup in copley is a guy that a you know had that nhl experience with us two years ago and played played damn well that year and b because he's a good friend of ours we wanted to see him be the backup <laughs> And get his chance. Yeah, I mean, my feeling was uh, everyone was really caught off guard by what mm. happened to Samsonov. I did a little digging on it. He flipped over an ATV in Russia. He also had a collision in a pickup game or some sort, and they aren't sure which 
which um, collision, although they probably have a decent idea which collision did the damage. But look, not, not. Really, it, not having him was a big blow. I, I mean, I can, I can tell you that after that first game, there might have been a change in goal. But with Vanacek and Copley, I don't want to put words into Reardon's mouth, but I don't think he had confidence in either one of them. I don't think right. I don't think there was any way he was going to either one of those guys. Yeah. I was just it wondering was, if, like, because you were at training camp, I don't know if you saw it at training camp, like one outplayed, like heavily outplayed the other, or but how much so, do you put into that at training camp? I, I, yeah, training camp, it was hard to kind of get a read. I did feel like Vanacek played pretty good in those scrimmages. I mean, he looked pretty good. I also mm-hmm. saw him got, you know, he got lit up a few times too. So it was kind of like, um. I, I mean, I need to watch him more in Hershey. But, look, he was a two-time AHL All-Star, right? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of just always been – he's just been recruited over, recruited over, recruited over. Um, look, at some point here soon, um, I don't have my spreadsheet in front of me, but he's, he's going to get onto a one-way contract. So, mm-hmm. at some point, he's going to get an opportunity somewhere. Um, yeah. uh, same for Phoenix, hopefully. I, I, he's a good dude. Uh, he's a good dude, and I, I don't know what he did or what they saw in those practices that, that caused him to get demoted and kind of push – because I remember we were all we were all surprised Vanacek pushed past him. So what's your thought process on next year in terms of, yeah, if Holpe's gone, likelihood, we don't want Samsonov having that heavy load. Do we, you know, bring one of those guys up to kind of try to split with him, or do we go out and sign that cheap? but veteran and proven goalie to kind of lead Samsonov. Yeah. But the, also the, play like 40 games. The latter. Option number two. For, yeah, yeah. It's for sure going to be a veteran player. Um, I don't even know who's available. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't really taken a deep dive on it yet, but, I mean, it, it'll be and, – and it's not going to be, in my opinion, I don't think it'll be a 5 or $6 million goalie. It'll be someone who is at the point in their career where, you know, they've played, they've been a starter, they've got experience. They know what they are now. They're a backup. They're not going to be trying to steal Samsonov's job. They're going to be there to kind of lend support. Like a Halak-Tuka situation. Yes. Halak might even be in terms of salary or in terms of like – it may not even be that high. But, you know, I I think they're – you know, Sam Sam is a young player. They're going to lean on him a lot, I believe. Um, But but they want somebody who can support him. Who's that? I say more like a Mike Smith or Brian Elliott, no? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say something along those lines, most likely. Um, which, you know, again, it sucks for, for Copley and for, um, for Vanacek, but that's just kind of how things lined up, you know? I mean, it, it's, I'm telling you, one thing I've learned in my, in my 20 years of doing this is that the difference between becoming a full-time player in the league and bouncing around in the minors and ending up in Europe and then out of the game it's opportunity sometimes. I mean, sometimes you, you not only have to play your butt off, you got to do it at the right time, at the right moment, when the team has a hole for you and or someone gets hurt. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just being good. It's yeah. – a lot of it is a little bit of happenstance and luck. And those guys, they aren't getting a whole lot of luck right now. I would love if this weird Robin Lehner kind of carousel made, made a pit stop in D.C. for a year. <laughs> <laughs> He's only, I think, at like four or five million. So, hey, you know. Well, did you? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't reject that out of hand. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, depending yeah. on what the contract is, if you, they will really, they will, they'll really luck out if they can find someone like him. I, I think he's probably earned himself a multi-year and probably a longer extension after not getting one for a number of years because of all the stigma and everything that goes, goes along with what he's been through. But um, I do feel like 
Not in Vegas, though. With Flurry's yeah. agent being a fool. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I'll, I'll he might have opened the door there. <laughs> I, I'll tell you this, man. I'm sure GMs hate that guy. But I'll tell you, the few conversations I've had with him outside locker rooms and stuff, he is a hoot. He is an interesting really? guy. He returns phone calls. He tells funny stories about uh, – about he, he, he lives life to the fullest. Let me put it that way. I, I, I enjoy Clearly, that yeah. yeah, I enjoy that guy. So – I mean, on, we're still on the goalie conversation. We might as well keep on it. Did you see the post-game show where Brent Johnson says after game two, start, start Vanacek? I, I heard about it the next day, the next time. Because remember, after the game, I go into Zoom room pretty much. Right. And I hit the mute up here and I don't. So I heard, I heard them kind of clowning about it on the next pregame show. How nuts uh, is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Johnny was having a little fun with it. Um, I, I, I've I think known they Brent asked for a while. I, I don't, I don't think he was all, all that serious about it. I right. mean, you're not going just like everyone who was clamoring for for Connor McMichael. I mean, I know Brian Pino got thrown into a Stanley Cup playoff game, but he's a 25 year old. Okay, I mean, he's a grown different. man. Like, yeah. I couldn't imagine putting a goaltender who's never played higher than the AHL into an NHL playoff game. And look, McMichael's time is going to come. That was the wrong time to put him in there. You have to be very careful with young guys. We don't know how he was looking in practice up there in Toronto and how how he was dealing with stuff. He'll get an opportunity next year, I think. I agree. I thought the name I was looking for is Daniel Sprong. I thought he might make his way into the lineup. He did take the skate. He took the pregame skate um, one one, uh, night. I think that was game three. You're right. It was game three. He didn't get in. Uh, I think they were concerned about someone else who was a little dinged up. Um, I think, I mean, look, in training camp, he looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he scored a couple goals in the scrimmage. Um, you know, he's got, what, like 100 games with the Penguins and Ducks. Uh, he's got, what, like 18 or 19 goals or something. I mean, the dude can play. Uh, the dude can play. Um, I do think that he will have an opportunity to kind of, um, you know, be the 11th, 12th, 13th forward next year. I think that's why they went out and got him. Um, I mean, I'll tell you this, he passes the eyeball test. Like, he looks like a player. Right. Love it. So, I kind of – I'll have this lead into – because, you know, it's Chirping DMV, so we have no structure. We just kind of bounce around. But is it a bad idea or a really bad idea to bring Babcock in as a coach? Knowing the group that we have and go back to the personalities and the guys we have and veterans and being around the league and this, that, and the other, it's like, yeah. And, and the abuse and the, you know, the allegations there at the end, I don't know, man. I, I just feel like there's a lot of baggage there. I don't know how much he wants to do it. Sounds like he's making about $20 million over the next three nothing. years to not work. He's, he was, yeah, he was quoted saying he was going to do a lot of hunting. I, I don't know. I, I don't right. feel like, I, I think the, it would have to be an ideal situation for him. This seems like pressure pack just, right off the bat. I don't know if this is the And right just like thing. him fitting with this group, I don't see it. So I kind of want to name a, the couple coaches that are going around the rumor mill and kind of get your quick reaction on why they would work, why they wouldn't oh. work. But go ahead, A.B. Uh, I want to throw one more name in there that's not official yet. But say, what's the score of this Boston-Tampa game right now? John, Don't bring up the John Cooper, <laughs> the longest-tenured <laughs> coach in the NHL. The longest tenured coach in the NHL. I've seen everybody being like, John Cooper just needs to blow the series, get fired, and come to D.C. I, I wouldn't reject that. I wouldn't no. say that's not, that's not – there's no chance of it happening. I mean, so it's 2-2 right now with uh, about a minute to go in the third period. I mean, they, they kick it out of the series. series. They lose the series. He might be out of a job. And, I, you know, if the Capitals are, keep waiting, he's a good coach, sure. man. 
He's a bit of a snarky smartass. Like the few times I've talked to him, like, but he's fun to talk to, and I know he would like be intellectually stimulating for the players. Can like, we have like, a similar build team wise as him. Sure, sure. I mean, maybe it's time for him. You know, if this does go south for him, this game has. By the way, I don't know if you guys have been watching. Uh, yeah, it's got it on right here. Has long overtime, like written all over it. Yeah, like, like, like I might be have to go, go to Dunkin' and get a coffee after Fantastic. this. So, this, would he go to number one on your uh, your list if he becomes available? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, my preference would be to get someone who's been in the game, like right. You know what I mean? Like, like the 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 emerge the the urgency and the immediacy of this this crisis right now in Caps Land. I mean, it's like it's now. I want a dude who was just in the fight. Uh, you know, who wants to kind of reprove himself. Um, you know, Laviolette's got a lot of experience, man. I just, again, he's another hard ass. I, I don't know how that would go over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you need someone who's kind of like in between player coach, but can also burn guys. So would you be in for the, the retrying of the Bruce Boudreaux experience? Because we're seeing that get thrown around too. Nope. You know, I, talked, I talked to him yesterday. Um about something unrelated, totally unrelated. You guys will read about it tomorrow. Wait, wait, yeah. No, just seriously, you, you guys will read about it tomorrow. It was totally unrelated to the coaching search. We may have discussed the coaching search, but it, it wasn't about the coaching search. Um, I think it would be awesome. I, I think it would be a lot of fun. I don't know if they get out of the second round. I think Owen would score 65 goals. <laughs> like, that's all I'm here for anymore yeah. anyway. <laughs> I think John Carlson would have 100 points. They'd probably get bounced in the second round by the Penguins in seven games again. But um, we'd have a lot of fun watching it. Um, I look, I mean, being serious, I don't know. I mean, look. He's a veteran now. Like, when he came up, he, he was a rookie NHL coach. He's been in Anaheim. Um, I mean, he, he's been in Minnesota. He's learned how to coach defensive hockey. He's uh, been in different markets. He's coached different styles now. He's been in the playoffs a bunch. He's a better coach now than when he left D.C. Um, I mean, I, I again, I wouldn't say no. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I don't know if they, you know, how, cl- how many people they've already reached out to, but um, my my feeling is that it's not going to be like a matter of days here. Like we're not going to get an announcement on Friday morning. I think they're going to take their time. I don't want one. I don't want an announcement anytime soon. Give me a month. Well, okay, yeah. next last name I'll give you. Dan Bilesma is one I've seen. So Dan Bilesma and Todd Reardon, in my opinion, are very similar. Like they came from the same. They came, you know, they they, they were together. I mean, I. He's been out of the game a while now, too. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, well, I thought I, he was I, on – who am I thinking of that's Detroit's assistant? I thought he was in Detroit, maybe. Was, was he with um, Blaschel? Buffalo. Wasn't he with Buffalo, Buffalo or something? for a while. But I think currently, I thought he was with Detroit for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. I, I can barely keep the head coaches straight in my, straight in my head. Um, let, let, let's look it up. Uh, I mean – yeah, yeah, he's, he's he's Red Wings former. You guys are thinking he was head coach of the Sabers for there for a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, yeah. After the Penguins, you want a funny Bowsma story? Yeah, oh, light on us. Okay, so when was he the Penguins coach? I I, I got to look at his profile for a second because I can give you some dates here. I got a really really funny story. It was it's funny to me. I don't know if you can probably from like 2009 or like 2014. Okay, yeah. so in Pittsburgh. What the heck? Yeah, let's see. 09 to 14. Okay, so 08, 09. Okay, so his first year, 08-09. Um, in Pittsburgh with the, the 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 arena, the arena situation, the old one and the new one. 
Um, the, the only hotel like that anyone stays at besides the opposing teams, they stay a little further away. Everyone stays at the, the Marriott uh, si uh, City Center across the street because it's like it's a quick walk right into either either it was either Mellon Arena or or Console or PPG or whatever it's called now. So he's taken over for it was Mike Johnston who did he replace? He replaced it. He, he replaced him in midseason. So anyway. I get in the elevator to go over to the morning skate. Um, and now we could have been in the morning skate. So I get in the elevator on like, on like a day off. Like I'm going over to like a practice and I get in and there's another guy in the elevator and he's got his, got a penguins hat that's pulled down. I'm like, oh, penguins fans, they all stay there. The ones who come from out of town, they all stay there. Um, and I look over and I'm like, Shit, is that the new coach of the penguins right there? And I just, I just, I, I had to ask, I was like, Dan Bosma. He goes, Yep. I said, what are you doing in the, the Marriott? Uh, like, he's, a, he's like, I just, like, I just got hired. I, I'm living here. <laughs> I was like, cool. Well, you know, good luck tomorrow. I cover the cats for the Washington Post. And he said, all right, cool. Thanks. So that was like the first time I met him was in an elevator. He was living. In the Marriott. He'd been the coach for like a little bit, like probably long enough to have found a place to live, but was still living in the hotel. Didn't did Mitch Korn live in a hotel his entire time here? So a guy like him, I, I don't know that for sure, but a guy like like a goalie coach who does a lot of scouting and a lot of you know you're Makes working sense. with the South Carolina go goalies, you're working with the Hurts, you're on the road so much. It almost, I mean, with DC like you know prices, like really, you have another house somewhere else, you know, that, that you're probably paying a pretty penny to, maybe even two more houses. Are you really going to buy something in DC if you're only going to be there, you know, like a hotel? So um, that would not have surprised me if that, if that was the case. Yeah. So. For me, last question regarding the coaching carousel. Would it be a crazy idea to hire, like, three of these head coaches as head coach, assistant coach, assistant coach, just like the Philly Flyers? It was. Wouldn't be the craziest thing. Yeah, wouldn't it be the craziest thing. Also, remember, Scott Arneal, who's on the staff, he's been a head coach before, too. Uh, he was the associate head coach. And so they kept on staff for right now – the, all the assistants are still here and the new guy will be able to, you know, will make his decision. Um, it'll be interesting to, to me if Scott O'Neill gets a, gets an interview. Um, I mean, he's been a head coach. He's been an associate head coach. He's been an assistant head coach. He's respected. He's been around a long time. Would cost a whole lot of money. He would really, I don't think you'd make the fan base like super excited, but. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you need to make a splash for this fan base to have any sense of positivity. Yeah. Not, not promote within. I mean, it's again, but if you want to bring in new blood who's going to be a, a butt kicker, like you need to bring someone who was not on the staff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. As I was say, and McClellan, like, I mean, he's only been here for what, five, six years? 2014. Yeah, right. So the, years, yeah. the one time he had, to, he had to make a coaching change, it was in house. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if it was another in house one. If we're going in-house, get Brooks Orbeck's ass over to the Level 5 Coaching Clinic for USA <laughs> Hockey and get him ready to get on, like, at least be our defensive coach. I wouldn't hate to see that next year. How about Sergey Gonchar? Oh, well, Jeff, well, well, and, well, and, too, you got Jeff Halpern in Tampa as an assistant. Just bring them all back. Jeff Halpern's one of my favorite humans. I, it, would, it would be so fun to have him. He was one of the first guys I wrote a professional hockey story about. Um, I, I was working for the Washington Post in 2000. Does this sound right? 2000, 2000, yeah, 2000, 2001, whenever he made the team. Yeah. And so I was covering like local sports or something. 
And the boss is like, hey, you know hockey? I was like, yeah, a little bit. He's like, go up to Piney Orchard. It's really far. It's like a million miles from here. But look, uh, our beat writer needs a day off. Go up there, find this kid who's trying out for the team. He's like from Potomac. He's not going to make it. Talk to his dad, talk to his mom, do whatever, write a story. And so I ended up doing this really long story on Jeff Halpern because it was fun because he was talking about these teams that I had played, you know, like Montgomery. We're talking about Cabin John and these places. I'm like, I played there. I know these places. (laughs) Wrote the story. It ran like two days later. And like, I would say two or three days after that, he made the team because he just kept scoring. Like they kept doing these scrimmages and he just kept scoring. And it was like, they couldn't get, they couldn't get rid of him. (laughs) He's, he was like a, he was like literally an invite because he played with, Dick Patrick's son at Princeton, right? Wasn't that the story? Like yeah, played, something like that. Like you play a friend of a friend. Yeah. And dude keeps scoring goals. And they were like, we, we, we need a third-line center. This, this kid from Potomac, Maryland keeps scoring. What are we going to do here? Yeah, I, just, I, I remember going to, like, to going to Piney Orchard and just watching the practices there. And, like, he used to be the guy for us. He was like, that's yeah. a Maryland boy. Oh, he was awesome. Jeff Halpern, awesome. baby. But, yeah, he's an assistant I, I still, Tampa, I still, so. Yeah, I still occasionally call him, I mean, when I need something – um, for I, did, I wrote a story on him for the athletic last year, and I don't remember what the story was, but it was fun. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, if you um, don't hire a head coach and just say, Hey, we are now a coach by association team, and you look at the bench, and it's like our bench next year has got Jeff Halpern and Brooks Orpik and Ole Kolzik, <laughs> Cats fans are gonna be like, Hell yeah, we'll take it. Doesn't yeah. make sense, but let's go. <laughs> I, I still think you need that one guy in charge who, you know, make the buck stops here. And it, yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be one of the guys we talked about. If sure. I had to take a guess, we didn't mention John Stevens. He's another guy who's out there. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's going to be a dude you've heard of, heard of before. Who's, well, we know, got, all got four some pedigree. Yeah. We get a healthy scratch. We, we or we get an injury in the, in the uh, warm-ups and then we can just put one of them on the ice. We're good. Brooks Orpik could probably play right now. Oh yeah, that dude, honestly. That dude was legit when it came to like looking after his body and taking care of himself, man. Just make yeah. Chris Clark the head coach. Boom. Chris Clark, legend. <laughs> That's a hard nosed guy. Chris there. Clark, I love Chris Clark. I called him like I called him like maybe, I don't know, four or five months ago. I do a, I did a story where I just called all of Ovi's old teammates. Mm-hmm. Tell me a funny <clears> story. <throat> That's right, because that's when you hit up Pothier, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's You're like, how'd you get his number? I was like, I don't know. DM him on Twitter, and he answered. <laughs> so yeah, I called him, and he was like, he was like at a USA hockey thing, and he called me back, and he had the best story. Uh-huh. I can't remember what it was, but it was something about like Ovi running into the ocean in his underwear and getting bit by jellyfish. I think that was him. And then Chris Clark had another great one about like Ovi's ridiculous clothes that he wore as a rookie, but he bragged about his eight hundred dollars sweatpants. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, some of the, some of the funniest pa- stories. Pathier was good when he came on because he was on that um senators team with reardon and heatley and all kinds of names like that it's like whoa wade red chara yeah chara wade red and uh alfredson he's a smart dude too man i i'll never forget the i think i told you i um i in carolina they moved years ago to where they stayed they stayed they stay at this hotel it's kind of like kind of off the the beltway or the loop or whatever they call it in raleigh Mm-hmm. And it has restaurants, it's like a Starbucks and a Five Guys, and everything's like just right. Everything's right there. And uh, one morning, I go down to get my Starbucks, and Pothier's sitting there, like at a table by himself, reading the New York Times. I was like, "This dude's different. <laughs> this isn't. <laughs> you don't see many hockey players at nine in the morning reading the New York Times." And it wasn't like right. the sports section. He's in the A one section, like you know, like digging in. I, I, I really enjoyed covering it. Love it, KP. Any last questions, my man? Um. 
What's the biggest move you think that happens this offseason? I think they're going to bring in a, a, a right-handed defenseman either via trade or uh, via uh, free agent signing, and it's going to be someone really good, and it's going to be a big name, and it's going to get everyone hyped. I love it. AB, anything else? Ryan McDonough. Oof. Oof. It's going to be someone you heard of. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Capitals. capitals. Love it. It's a, well, oh, that's a good point. The Tampa Bay Caps were cool. The Rangers, it was it was the Ranger, the New York. Bring Cooper and Halpern. Bring yeah. Cooper and Halpern is a package. I love yeah. it. It's still two two. Uh, it's 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 intermission. Right. Well, Tark, as always, man, we appreciate you coming on, having a good time with us. Enjoy your second off season in like four months, because you went from a long off season to only like a month of hockey, and then you're it's right back true. to an off season again. So it's so weird. Uh, like literally, I waited for five months for that. Like, yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> I just, mean all, all caps land, like, waited five months for that. Right. We were holding our breaths to just <laughs> see one win. We, we start two every – Sorry, so two hot. wins in, like, ten games we played yeah. there. We start every se- every single season so hot. We're going to be so good in this. It's like a brand-new season. Oh, fuck. <laughs> just terrible. Hey, we'll always have 2018. We oh, always yeah. have it exactly. Right. That's why I'm. That's why I'm fine if Bruce Boudreaux comes back and Ovi scores seventy goals. Carson got hundred points. We win twenty five games. Whatever. I don't know what he's got to get to to get to eight ninety four, but Bruce will get him there. Yeah. Yes, that's all Absolutely. we need. That's all we're looking for now. But Tark, again, man, appreciate you as always, and uh, enjoy your what's left of your summer, man. Cool. You too. See you guys. A good one. Yeah. Yep.